Blog Talk Radio. This is Cale Brown. Now, I didn't play a doctor on TV, but I will prescribe Brandon's Buzz for absolutely anybody who wants to know what's really going on. Hey, guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. This is Taylor Dane, and you are listening to the one and only Brandon Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. This is Linda Dano. I'm on Brandon's Buzz, and I have to tell you, what a fun hour I just had. Ah. This is a great kid with a wonderful heart and soul. You listen every day. I know I will. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big. I'm live and kicking on Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Dave Camaro, and you're going to love buzzing with Brandon's Buzz. Hey guys, welcome back to Brandon's Buzz. I am Brandon. It's Tuesday, February 23rd, 2010, 10 p.m. in the east, 7 p.m. out west, 9 p.m. here in Texas, and I've got a great guy on the phone. We're going to dive right in. You know, my guest tonight, he might just be the best-kept secret in American popular music, even a full 12 albums into his incredible career. He's worked and toured with the likes of Nancy Griffith, Steve Earle, and the legendary Lucinda Williams, and his own work undoubtedly stands strong alongside the best of all of theirs. His latest album, Dear Lover, has just hit stores across the country, and he's come by the buzz tonight to give us the inside scoop. Best kept secret, maybe, but I say it's high time you all got to know the brilliant, the blisteringly talented Matthew Ryan. Thanks for having me, Brian. Uh, no, no problem. It, I, it's a great thrill. I've been a big fan for a long time, and this is a great thrill speaking to you tonight. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, you know, uh, researching you, uh, being born in 1971, you came of age right through the disco era, and, uh, you know, I'm just wondering, what was playing on the radio when you came up? Because... You know, listening to your music now, you you can't you can't imagine two more disparate uh, fields of music. <laughs> well, my folks had incredible taste in music. As far as I'm concerned, they didn't listen to a lot of radio. They they played a lot of vinyl. Okay. We're listening to Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen and Chris Christopherson and Fleetwood Mac and all that good stuff. Randy Newman and Motown and. Those were my first impressions of music. Gotcha. You know, I didn't really start really listening to the radio probably till I'd say the early '80s. Okay. Oh, uh, you know, but I got to be honest. My mom did have that uh, Donna Summer's record <laughs> worked hard for money. So the truth does come out. <laughs> yeah, that's probably where it all started. <laughs> so you know, talk to me about making records here. I mean, you know, you are a incredibly prolific artist. I mean, in the same period of time that, that Sade has made two records, you've made 12, and, you know, they've all been engrossing and terrific. Talk to me about your process of, of writing and recording. I think part of it's just the way I was raised, you know. I, I come from a, a very blue-collar northeastern family, and whatever it is that you do, you, you do it. You don't rest on laurels, and you don't take long vacations, and once I accepted a responsibility for, for my art, my goal was to just to be creative and to share what I created, and and then part of it too is I've I don't know how to describe it. You know, it, it it felt to me that I just wanted to get to the good songs. And when I first started writing, it felt great, but I didn't feel like I had found my own voice yet. And that takes time, you know. Sure. And I 
guess I'm just still trying to define exactly what it is that I do, and I, you know, I, it, the creative process is, a, is mysterious, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's like a sleepwalk, you know, it, 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 it's something that happens, and, and when you create something, you want to share it, Absolutely. you know, that's my mode, and, and uh, hopefully, and I feel that I have, I think there's some, some things that I've written that can stand the test of time. So do you write nonstop, or, or do you go through spells where you're writing heavily and then you, you let it go for a while and then you come back to it? Well, you know, there's there's a great Leonard Cohen quote that I've read uh, in the last year where he, he said that, you know, um, now I'm attributed to, attributing it to him. Now, he may have been quoting somebody else, but I, I don't recall, so I'm going to say that he said it. But he said, poetry is the ash of a life burning brightly. So I don't write all the time. You have to live in order to write. So my, you know, I go through periods of living and then uh, kind of retreating to write about maybe what I've learned or what I've experienced or what I hope could be different or these sorts of things. Absolutely. So standing in a recording studio watching none other than Lucinda Williams sing words that you sat down and wrote. Take me back to that moment. Tell me what's going through your mind. No, that was, you know, that that is still one of my. Uh, <laughs> favorite moments ever in my experience with music so far. Lucinda to me is, she's just a, uh, I just feel, you know, I feel fortunate to share the same time with her. She's an artist in the true sense. Sure. Lucinda's an incredibly gifted person, and she's also wildly sensitive. And so she's kind of, when she loves something, she's helpless to it which is absolutely beautiful, you know, because we're so reserved in our culture. The American culture is a very reserved culture. So it's always refreshing to meet another American that wears it on their sleeve like Lucinda does. And um, when she sang those words and, and the way that she responded to them and, and hearing her voice wrap around them, I mean, it's just, <laughs> there's no greater compliment, you know? She actually had talked about recording that song herself, which is, I really hope one day she does. Wow. She's doing a full version of her own on it. That would probably be enough for me to say, okay. <laughs> you know? You know, I, I know it's kind of dangerous to, to look for artistic validation in other people, but did did you feel that day a little validated as a songwriter, as, a, as an artist? You know, it's a funny thing. I, I can't really say that because I... I've never really looked for validation from other artists. But what I will say about that is that, and I think anybody can identify with this, there's certain people that you meet that make you feel like you're traveling on the right road. And Lucinda is one of those people that that, uh, gives me that sense, feel more alive uh, when I'm around her. Another dear friend of mine is a photographer named Jack Spencer. Okay. And, um, you know, artists see the world, in a, I tend to think, in a slightly different way than than others, you know? And it can start to worry you if you're not around other artists. Because, um, you know, there's a certain sensitivity, as, as you know, goofy as that can sound. But my favorite time is around artists that aren't driven by ego, but uh-huh. driven by art. And don't get me wrong, I don't find that just in other artists. I have other friends that do an arming of things. But I find it particularly comforting when I'm around other artists that, that aren't operating based upon ego, but based upon the service of art and, and what it 
spring. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my friend Jack Spencer is amazing. He, he's a beautiful photographer, amazing photographer. And he and I have been spending a lot of time together, and I just always, always feel more alive and more engaged. So tell me about your latest record, Dear Lover. Does it have a specific theme or kind of idea driving it? I think it's a beautiful record. I made it all. I made it by myself. It took me five months <laughs> to make it. It's something that I've always wanted to do. I find more and more that I'm more interested in what it is that keeps us going, the dependable engine, you know, our hearts, you know, and, and the things that we have convictions about and the things that we commit to. Well, what keeps us committed to those things, whether it's a man or a woman or a dream? And in some ways, you know, Dear Lover was inspired by a very specific event, but lyrically led to a whole nother kind of uh, rumination, where it's not really just about love between a man and a woman. It's about commitment and follow-through. A relationship is part of that story. But I love the record. It, it, has, it, it has a very... You know, I put off doing this for a long time. I've wanted to make a record by myself for a long time. And when you um, say when you say by yourself, you, that that means you did all the instrumentation, you did all the producing, you did everything. I did. I well, I did the vast majority of the instrumentation. I did all the recording and the production and the mixing. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't to serve some sort of id. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was more out of like just imagine being a filmmaker and being able to control the sunset. Uh, <laughs> this sort of thing where I could I could say things in a fashion that only came from me so that maybe I could create a very unique cinema. Now, I'm inspired by things, so there's always going to be elements of things that have excited me over the years. Sure. But but to pull all of those things together within like a like kind of a a singular cinema, the the, the hope from my perspective, is, is that the, the further in we go, the more universal we get. So that that's where all that was coming from. Now, I don't know if I achieved that, but I know that I, I'm just so proud that I actually followed through with it and that at the end of the day, it's even listenable. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Because it got dark, man. There were times it felt like Moby Dick. It really did. <laughs> And it wasn't dark because of the music. It was dark because when you confront yourself like that so relentlessly and all the things that creativity shows you, it can get to be a really fascinating journey. Sure, especially when you have nobody to fall back on but yourself. That's right, and nobody to blame, which is a good thing. You either straighten straighten your back and confront it, or you don't. You know, because there's nobody else. Nobody else has got your back at that point, and that's a good thing to to challenge yourself like that. Absolutely, like rock climbing. <laughs> so, do you have a favorite track on the album? Do you have something that every time you listen to it, kind of, it, you know, it really gets you? That's you know, that's a that's a weird thing. I wish I had the objectivity that say, you know, like a listener that doesn't know myself. I I don't know what that's like. I know that there's songs that I'm prouder of. But, you know, I find with, with my music that essentially it's mood music. It's there for for me in a specific time. I guess, you know, it's like, I love every song on the record, and that was one of the goals with this record. Now, I'm not always in the mood for every song on this record. 
but you know, it's it's when I am, I find that there's nothing else that feels like better or or, or more well executed. I mean, I like some of the ramshackle and the more elegant part of it kind of blended together. I think it's it's true of I think the human condition, you know. But to answer your question, Brandon, and I went all the way around on you. <laughs> I think probably the song I'm proudest of is "The World Is," because in so many ways it's what I've been trying to say with probably 40 or 50 songs. It's really a song that's saying, you know, there's no shame in falling down. The only shame is is, is in not getting back up. So get back up. Wow. So that's the song I'm most proud of because it really encapsulates so much of what I've been trying to say. So practice does indeed make perfect. <laughs> well, I have to tell you that my best friend Sherry is your biggest fan, and more specifically, she's the biggest fan in the world of a television series called One Tree Hill. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. She can tell you what song was playing under the fourth scene of the 17th uh-huh. episode of the second season and what color T-shirt James Lafferty was wearing in it. I mean, she is her devotion to this thing is really the most staggering thing I've ever seen. And, <laughs> you know, you and your music have been associated with that series for quite some time now. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a thrill to know that your music is reaching a whole generation of fans in this unique, very personal way? I'll tell you, you know, Mark Schwann and Lindsay Wolfington are two of the finest people I've met in the uh, entertainment industry. And, you know, and there's a separation between artists and, and, and the entertainment industry, you know. Now, that's not to say that Mark's not an artist or that, that Lindsay's not an artist in the way that she uses music in that show. Sure. But um, they're two of the finest people I've met. Mark is a tremendous lover of music. You know, that's, you clear, know? From, that's clear from watching any yeah. episode of that show. Yeah, no, it, it's amazing. There's a couple ways I can talk about One Tree Hill. I think there's a lot of people that don't quite understand what that show is giving to the people that view it. I actually think it's a very smart show in the context of the lives that are welcoming that show. And I think that's important. But, you know, for myself... In some ways, and I don't want to give Mark too much credit because I'll never hear the end of it, but in some ways he helped me to reach a group of people that would have never heard me. You bet. And he gave it a context by which they could welcome it. And and hopefully what happens is that context then turns upon themselves and they can see themselves in these songs. Now, that, that last bit doesn't matter quite as much, but the fact that and Mark and Lindsay have, have helped so much to help me reach people that, that never would have heard it. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, you know, and so consistently, which I think is is, is incredibly generous of that show and of, of the creators. How did they first reach out to you? Did, did, did you and Mark know each other, or did, did he find I mean, how did, how did they first well, find you? Mark had actually, he was a fan back before, my, my understanding is, and Mark would be better to tell you this, but he was a fan back on my first record when he was just starting to go after writing. And then uh, in 2003, I put out a record called Regret Over the Wires, and One Tree Hill had just started. And so he's a couple songs up there, but the big one was Return to Me. Okay. Um, And he had, you know, just slowly, I mean, he just kept coming back. He's like, well, I want to use this song now. I was like, really? And I was like, well, then I want to use this one. And then we did the stray thing. He's like, I really want to use the blue skies. 
I mean, he's used about eight, nine, maybe ten songs at this point. And so finally, about two years ago, I was out in Los Angeles, and Mark and I got together, and we just had a great night hanging out and uh, drinking and becoming human rather than, you know, a show writer and a singer-songwriter hanging out. And we've been friends ever since. He's a great guy. Wow. You know, your music has been featured in a handful of television series and films, and, you know, in... In this day and age when the music business is in such a state of uncertainty and chaos, how important is that kind of exposure to artists, especially artists like yourself who are independently produced and released? Well, I'll I tell you, it, it, this is a conversation that we have more and more of. First of all, I think a lot of artists share the gratitude for what television and film and even ad campaigns have done for music because they take bigger risks because they're dealing emotionally than radio does. Radio, in a lot of ways, and this isn't true across the board, but radio has turned its back on a lot of music. Absolutely, it has. For any number of reasons, but most of them are reasons that really have nothing to do with art. Whereas with film and television, A, the placements are generous. I mean, I've had placements on House and Bones and Murphy and The Unit. It goes on and on and on. And... The placements, when I say generous, they're generous financially. Not only do they give you the opportunity to reach a bunch of people, they also give me the opportunity to reinvest in what I'm doing. And um, I'm just grateful, you know, because you really can't underestimate the power of a story sure. and, and music. The three of them together are some sort of trinity, you know. And when it's done well, it's absolutely magical. <laughs> One of my favorite movies of all time is a movie called Cinema of Paradiso. I don't know if you've seen that, but if you want to, I mean, you, I mean, an amazing story, amazing cinematography, and an amazing composer. It doesn't get any better than that. So I'm grateful to the film and television world, and a lot of my friends are. I bet. It gives us, it gives us a fighting chance. Sure. You know, Brandon, I have probably 30 or 40 friends that are great artists, really good at what they do. And, and when I say that, I mean also competitively good in what you would hear on the radio. Yet I can drive from coast to coast and up and down and not hear one of them on the radio. <laughs> and we're all, you know, some of us are on larger labels. You know, I just started my own label. Others are on indie labels. Mm -hmm. We're all, you know, we're all working. We're all doing what we can. Yet, for some reason, collectively, nobody knows we exist until we have a song on House. <laughs> <laughs> or One Tree Hill, over and over again. <laughs> you know? And, but it's beautiful, man. You know, thank God, you know, just thank God somebody's standing up for it. Absolutely. they really are. I don't know if you know this, but do you remember that Nick Drake ad with the Volkswagen? Sure, yeah. Well, I don't know if you know, but cumulatively, up until that ad had run, that album had only sold 10,000 records. <laughs> and because of that, I think it went on to near platinum and, like, of course, amazing downloads, and everybody knows who Nick Drake is. Now, the sad thing is, is, as great as Nick Drake always was, he toiled in obscurity, and he was gone by the time that happened. But it's still, regardless of that, the fact that now people have gotten to hear that beautiful song sure. is amazing. Well, I mean, look at somebody like Eva Cassidy. I mean, you know, she was working hard and, and plugging away and trying so hard, and, and Dawson's Creek found her song, Field, her cover of Fields of Gold, and all of a sudden 
after she died, she was a massive success. Exactly. But, you know, in her lifetime, she she had sold, you know, maybe a couple thousand records at best and, and you know, was just toiling away in obscurity, like you said. And, you know, all of a sudden, this this one song changes everything. Well, you know, the concept of fame is actually like a relatively new thing. But it's also the thing about making a living, and that's not a new thing. And that's, that's I think, what any person wants, you know? <laughs> So whose who's music do you like out there right now? Whose stuff reaches out and grabs you by the heart? Man, there's, you know, I've got to say there's been a number of things lately that really kind of reignited me and helped me to, because you know, I'm, you know, I'm in my 30s now, and something happens in your 30s. You know that uh, Cormac McCarthy book, No Country for Old Men? Uh-huh. You start worrying that you're turning into to the sheriff, you know? But i got to say that there's been a lot of music lately that has really reinvigorated and, and reengaged me and reignited my sense of connection to the larger part of being human in these times. One band is, there's, I love this band out of, I believe they're out of Glasgow, Scotland. They're called Glass Vegas. Okay. I really, really love that record. It, it, one of the, it's a grower. It takes a couple listens, but it's really great. There's an American, there's a younger American songwriter, and I cannot ever remember his name because it's it's a real common name. But he's uh, he's got a, a couple songs that absolutely kill me. One of them is called, you know, it's on Far Room, but it's not. It's really beautiful. It's called Drinking Again. Really beautiful. Okay. Um, there's another band out of Scotland called Frightened Rabbit that I love, and then there's a Jersey band called The Gaslight Anthem that I really love. Okay. Yeah. That I think are really doing really good, modern but rooted music. I think that's important. Absolutely. So, what's on the horizon for Matthew Ryan? Are you already kind of feeling the itch for, to start writing number thirteen? <laughs> you know, it's funny. <laughs> I, I have had a few ideas, but we're we're just getting started with Dear Lover, and we just, you know, Monica, who's uh, you you've spoken to. Yeah, yeah. She's been my publicist for a number of years now, and we just started this company together. So we're we're really just hunkered down with Dear Lover, and we're just hoping to get as many people to to listen and and absorb it, and hopefully bring it into their lives as 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 we can. We also we we've recorded a um an acoustic kind of folk version of the record, which is really interesting. We're going to release that, and then probably I would guess there's a lot more touring coming up, and there's some more television placement stuff coming up. Oh, and one Tree Hill is named one of their episodes after one of my songs later in this year. Fantastic. Um, and we've been getting a lot of great press, and there's a lot of people, like, you know, not just not just press people, but a lot of human beings talk music. <laughs> so hopefully it'll just keep building. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I've had a great thrill, uh, a great time speaking with you today, and I appreciate you taking some time to, to uh, oh. hang with me and talk about the record a little bit. I wish we could have done it sooner, but thank you so much. Man. Absolutely. Hey, before I let you go, could I get you to do a promo for my show? Sure, sure. As long as it includes the words Matthew Ryan and Brandon's Buzz, anything else you say is totally up to you. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Hey, this is Matthew Ryan, and you're about to experience Brandon's Buzz. How's that? It's fantastic. Thank you so, so, so much. No problem, man. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you very much. All right. The terrific Matthew Ryan, everybody, on Brandon's Buzz. Again, the record is called Dear Lover. It's on iTunes. It's in stores this week. Go pick it up. Go check it out. And check out the rest of his amazing discography as well. He's got Regret, Regret Over the Wires. He's got uh, Strays Don't Sleep. He's got, 
a, a, a handful of really terrific records, and he's a really great guy. Again, his name is Matthew Ryan, uh, and that's Brandon's Buzz. Brandon's Buzz in the can for February 23rd, 2010. Come on back next week. Great stuff in the pipeline, and you can find out all about it at two places, brandonsbuzz.com, my blog, and blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz, which is mission control for this show. Uh, from there, blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz, you can listen to the show, you can download old episodes of this show, you can leave comments, you can send emails. It really is home base for Brandon's Buzz. Again, it's blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz. Uh, you can also find me at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. There, at the top of any page on brandonsbuzz.com, is a blue button marked radio. You click that, it takes you to a full radio archive uh, with all the episodes of this show listed in chronological order from the most recent to the earliest. Uh, This is episode number 56. This one and all previous 55 are located there at the radio archive at brandonsbuzz.com. I'm also on iTunes. I'm on iTunes right next to Matthew Ryan. Just type Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section. Click on my logo. From there, you can... Download individual old episodes of this show as podcasts for playback on the device of your choosing, or you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the music store. So I'm all over the place. I'm on iTunes. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and something will pop up that points you in my direction. And I appreciate you guys coming in my direction. I appreciate you guys finding me and listening to me, and I hope you continue finding and listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, everybody out there. This is Eileen Kristen, and I have just been on Brandon's Buzz. This is a great show and a very sophisticated mind, so spread the word, Brandon's Buzz. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy, great show. Check it out. Hey, guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it. Baby, when you live on a street of dreams. Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon Buzz, the place to be. Hi, everybody. This is Nicholas Walker. Merci à tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir et à très bientôt. <laughs>